Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. My guest today is Jamie Kaler. Thank you so much for listening. Big announcement this week. I am taking off at the end of the week to Croatia, a press trip that's going to be on Tourist Star TV. Uh, you can find that online. I'm going to be live blogging for 11 days in uh, Croatia. So I'm very excited about that. Thank you again to uh, a former guest, Ashley Colburn, who set this whole thing up for me. And I'm very excited about going back to Croatia. I was just there last August. So this will be my third trip altogether to Croatia. It looks like we're going to stick around the Dalmatian coast. Uh, it's going to be beautiful. So if you go to TravelTalesPodcast.com, which is our website, uh, I will have links to the blog and the video projects that we're going to be doing. So check that out. And while you're on the site, why not go to the bottom of the page and click on our links and become our friend on Facebook, as well as Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn and follow us on iTunes. There's a link there for iTunes. And while you're on iTunes, why not give us a good rating? Subscribe for free and then give us a nice rating. That helps people find the show and boost our presence. So that's always a nice thing. If you want to write me, it's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. All right, let's get right to the interview now. Here is Jamie Kaler talking about his time in our U.S. Navy. Enjoy. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm here with Jamie Kaler, comedian, actor, radio personality. What else can we do? Voiceover specialist? Uh, sure, yeah. Uh, and he, he'll do anything for money, I think. And it's just that Horror, I, I have such a limited skills that uh, otherwise people would hire me for other things, but I, there's nothing else I can do except for be a smartass. So I think that's my... That's my wheelhouse. Thanks for coming, man. I know you, uh, you've, uh, you're a tough man to pin down. Not only are you working it. all the time, but you're a, you're a father now. Yeah, I'm working all the time. I, I'm working at being a father all the time. It's really <laughs> – once you have a baby, it's over. Like we just flew. I was back east and we flew and uh, because my wife is from Jersey and so we have to go back and visit her family at least – at least a few times a year. Uh, at least a few? Yeah. Oh. And we were checking. It's just you know flying sucks alone. But when I had the baby with me, I – at one point, she I said, hold the baby. I'm going to go to the restroom before we had got our tickets. And I, for one second, I was like, how long if I walked out that door, went over to the international terminal and bought a ticket to South America, how long would she wait at that <laughs> ticket place before she goes, "Where is he coming back? Like, how, And could I get out of the country before she knew it? I, I, I didn't do it, obviously, but I, you think mm. – and I told her that story, and she goes, that's not even funny. Don't and then when we landed, I was like, I, I don't know if I could do this again. And she was already talking to her parents about, we, you know, we're going to try to come back in August. It's like two months. We just went, and she's already talking about flying again. And so then I started to think about what it would take to get on the no fly list. And I was like, <laughs> should I threaten the president? Yeah, start making some threats. Should I, if I just post a couple nasty tweets about I'm going to do something <laughs> horrible to the president? Then they'll come to me, and then I could tell her in-laws and go, look, I, I would love to come visit you, but unfortunately, uh, I'm on the no-fly list. Unfortunately, I brought a handgun in my last uh, yeah. flight. And you don't need to know the, the whys. <laughs> Just know I can't fly. So how old is the baby now? Nine months. Nine ten, months. Ten months next week. So this is her first flight? Oh, my gosh. She's flown so much already. How does she do? She's great, actually. She's really good. But this last flight, we had a five-hour delay. Oh. Yeah. And so we're on Virgin. 
and I have an Amex Platinum card, not to well, name drop. Well, <laughs> excuse me, time. sir, your highness. It's pretty, pretty big time. <laughs> and I got it solely so you could go into the airline lounges, right? Yeah. And well, now, now it doesn't work on American It anymore. doesn't. Yeah. They started to go, uh, yeah, everybody has that. So I go to Virgin. I go, oh, I have the Amex Platinum. He goes, yeah, unfortunately, you need, um, I forget what it's called, a frequent flyer pass, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I go, oh, how do you get that? He goes, you just have to call the people at Amex Platinum, and they'll send you one. Oh, so they, it's just another hoop you have to yeah. jump through. To just so I go, well, I the have the MX Platinum. You know I have it. I, I'm obviously capable of getting the thing you're, you need. <laughs> Can we just go in? He goes, I can't. But then I called Amex, and they said, oh, just put it on your card, and we'll credit your card. So oh, okay. to their credit. And then we went to go in, and the guy goes, you can't have a kid under 14 in here. Oh. And I was like, we're coming in. <laughs> and we went in. <laughs> you think they'd be more like sympathetic to your needs? Yeah. He ended up letting us in. He goes, but if the baby starts crying, you got to take her out. Right. And so the baby's absolutely silent and still. And then the dude four feet away from me is on his phone. Yeah, John, listen, you got to take care of that business. You got to. Yeah, no, I'm in the terminal. You got. And I'm like, I go, why is that guy? Why can he scream and my baby can't? Yeah. He should be out of here. You shouldn't be allowed to use your phone in places like that. I've been in some, there's a few, I think it was the lounge. I think it may have been London. No, there's one in the the Admirals Club in LA has a, a, a no cell phone section, yeah. like a quiet zone. It People should be. ignore it, but I mean. Totally ignore they it. They totally ignore it. People have no court vision and they, you no. know, it's like when you see someone get hit by a train. Like, I never <laughs> feel sorry for them. I go, you're an idiot. There's tracks, like the train is on the tracks. If the train leaves the tracks, okay, that was that's not your yeah. fault. But if you get hit and you're on the tracks, that's you're an idiot. And it's the same with people on phones where you're just like, do you not see all these people sitting around you yeah. staring and at we're you because you're a dick? We're in an elevator yeah. and hearing everything you say. Yeah, you're a douche. Can't you <laughs> – I get it. Answer it and go, listen, I'm on a bus. I'll call you later. Oh, God, yeah. I'm okay with that. But to have like a – now, okay, go down line four – no, here's what you need. I don't need that. That's my biggest fear. That uh, like I've been on long distance trains, like in uh, on the East Coast, where yeah. you're where and people are just all day on the on the phone. Yeah. But my biggest fear is when they say we're going to get internet on every plane. That like somebody's going to be skyping through the entire flight. Oh, you I know, I thought about skyping from a plane. That would be I mean, funny. cell I phone service on the plane. That that's one of the benefits is is to get away from all that. You it don't is need kind it. Of, you're out of touch. It's the only I really never po- buy it's the it. last place you're out of touch. My wife buys it, and I'm like, you can't go three hours without the internet. And then all she does is she, she sits on Facebook for three hours, and I'm like, exactly. you needed fourteen dollars for that. <laughs> that was what you needed. Nothing's changed. Nothing's gonna change. No. Did um now as a baby, I've heard this like if when they're that young. Mm. Uh, they basically just sleep through the whole time, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, sleep or cry. Well, you know, it's funny. We had worked it around her nap perfectly. We booked the flight specifically oh, at noon because really? her nap starts at noon. And so then the flight got delayed five hours. Oh. And so we get on and everyone's giving us dirty looks. And I'm like, look, man, I used to fly all the time. I never gave anyone shit about flying with a baby. You know what? I When the baby screams, I'm fine with that. Baby scream. You know what I hate is when the parent talks over the screaming trying to get them to be quiet for two hours where they're singing like the itsy bitsy ah, spider goes and you're like just you shut up the baby's okay the baby's crying the baby's cry we'll noise canceling headphones that is the yeah. uh, it's the only way to fly now the seven thousand dollar bows canceling but, and they worth might, every penny are they <laughs> worth every penny did uh so do you have to you don't have to get a separate seat for the baby, like, no, it's under two. She doesn't two. Have one. Okay, but honestly, this last one, we were like, next time we fly, we might have to buy her one. It's getting so expensive, though. That's the problem. I have friends with like two kids, and they're like, you know, to go anywhere is two grand. You got to make their her parents come out here. 
I told enough, them that. Enough of that. I tell her that. All, I told yeah. her, honestly, I'm like, I'm, we're, I'm not going. I'm just not going. I don't give a shit. I don't care. And the other thing is we live in California. It's like, come, we're in Hawaii. We're in the beautiful land. Come see us. I don't want to go to Jersey in the middle of the winter. Right, right. Well, are her parents retired? Uh, but the last one, we just went back. Her younger sister graduated from college. Uh-huh. So that was it. The kids are out. So they have no excuse not to come visit us. And you have a great excuse not to go. Yes. Now, I mean, like yeah. mine was always either it was work or something. Yeah. There's always people get old enough. They understand. You know, if unless they they're assholes, parents don't understand. Parents expect you to come home. Oh, no, Will Smith taught us that in the nineties, right? Parents, That's exactly. They just don't understand. Don't, parents don't understand. <laughs> and Jazzy Jeff had a lot to say about Jazzy that. Jeff piped in. Sure, they, they all a lot of stuff happening. <laughs> so, um, one of the reasons that I really wanted to get you on this uh, travel podcast, yeah, you are a Navy man. I am. And by the way, happy uh, well Memorial Day would this be for is the, the dead Memorial soldiers, Day right? version of the show. Yeah, is uh, pro military. Yeah. Okay, but Veterans Day more is more your day. Uh, Memorial Day is for the ones who have fallen. Yes, okay. yes. I, I always tell so you don't get they shit go, from me right now. Thank you for your now. service. And I go, <laughs> I was in the year after Top Gun came out. Like there was uh, never danger in my entire five years in. Never you didn't once. fly into the danger zone. Is what I you're never. I, I. If by saying I went to the Miramar uh, Officers Club, <laughs> then yeah, I had some some harrowing experiences there with some young right. ladies. But you say uh, you lost that love and feeling. To the- I definitely lost that love and feeling <laughs> many times, many many as many times as I could. I would give it. I would give that feeling away. So you grew up. You're a Boston guy. New Hampshire and Boston. Right. Yeah, close enough. Yeah. We we consider you're a New England kid. I love the people. It's like it's Vermont. Yeah, no, what? It's all the you know. Rhode we Island. get it. It's lobster. All, we I, get it. We like lobster. Yeah, it's actually <laughs> it's Hampton Beach, man. It's pretty great. I went to I went to uh, New Hampshire for the first time uh, last summer. It was like five states I hadn't been. to. I was going to say, is that one of the final? Three states? of them were uh, New Hampshire, Vermont, and Maine. They're so I, I knocked them all out in like three days. I you could have knocked I, them out in about four hours. Yeah, no, it was nice. Because you can start in Vermont and get across to Maine in probably two and a half hours. I loved uh, Augusta. Was it? No, Portland, Maine. Portland, Maine. Portland, Maine, Up I like. Uh, Burlington, Vermont. Sure, Burlington, Cool little Vermont. college town. Yep. And, uh, Groovy UV. I partied there heavily. Oh, Groovy UV? That's what they call it, Groovy Bought UVM. That. Yeah, it did have a, like a, a fish, uh, Dave Matthews feel up there. Oh, dead. my God. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> it must have been really fun. Honestly, though. Dave Matthews probably plays there every week still. Yeah, I does he live up I there would. or something? No, it's like in the Carolinas, I think. I think he's down in the Carolinas, but yeah. If you told those, they, I think their calendar's still set on like 97. <laughs> there might be like the Spin Doctors show that's oh, sure, at yeah. the local pub. But boy, we had a ball there in college. We went there and partied. And at the time, that was one of the last states to be 18. You could well, drink at 18. It, they literally, I think they might have been the last state to hold out. Well, I think the last one was uh, Louisiana. Oh, was that right? New Orleans fought it to the death. And then uh, Wisconsin was 19, my whole growing up. And then they changed it, and I, they got grandfathered. I was I the missed last it. year at grandfather. I missed it by a month. Oh, no, I was the— A month. Oh, that's so It was September funny. 1st, and my birthday was October 14th. I was like, son of a bitch. I can't even go over to— September 14th. Oh. I made it. By a, by days, I remember that vividly. That I was like when it was eighteen. Thanks, I was Reagan. 18, 19, 19. and when I went to college, I could drink legally in Boston. To yeah. be fair, I probably should not have been allowed to. <laughs> I mean, in retrospect, I, I probably right. should have been illegal for me to drink. Well, there's a the thing. When right after high school, did you go right into the Navy? No, I went to college on a ROTC scholarship. Okay, so the Navy paid for college, but I knew my entire. But you were college, committed. Yeah, the year after, the day after I graduated from uh, from college, I w- I drove cross country to San Diego to start my naval service. Okay, so the deal is, you sign up and go. Okay, I'm, you're going to give me four yeah. years of college. But so in the summers, do you have to train yep. and you do basic training and all that? So much fun! 
Oh, come on. Doesn't sound fun. Oh, my God. It was the best summers. Okay, my first summer, they set me on a 40-foot sailboat out of Newport, Rhode Island. And the America's well, Newport's Cup fun. The America's Cup year was that in Newport. So we basically learned seamanship. And by sailing around, we went from there to Montauk to Cape Cod. That's all we did was a sailboat that whole summer. Amazing. <laughs> the next summer, they wanted to show you kind of all the different parts of the Navy. So we went to Beeville, Texas, where I flew in a jet. I went to San Diego and I got on a submarine for a few days. Then I went to MCRD and I hung with the Marines for a week. Like you do one week with each of the branches to kind of learn. And they want you to come there. So they're showing you like the best parts. Yeah. <laughs> we went rappelling. Like I did all this crazy stuff that summer. And then the next summer, I forget what it was, but it was another one. I took one cruise where I went to like Portugal one summer. Oh, really? So it was all these things where they wanted you to get out and get practical experience so you could make a choice as to what branch of the Navy you want. Because you can fly, you can go subs, you oh, can yeah. surface, you can go Marine Corps. And which one did you pick? Surface. I actually wanted to fly. Surface means? Uh, ships. Okay. I was a ship driver. Like uh, No Way Out or Mr. Roberts. Gotcha. But not uh, Top Gun. Queeg. Or, yeah, I was Queeg. I was Queeg. <laughs> With marbles in your was hand. very close. Somebody, somebody had eaten the strawberries. Oh, and they had to be You got to have a trial. You I mean, the strawberries for me, and I can't – someone has to go down for the strawberries. Uh, I wanted to fly, but it was the year after Top Gun came out, and so you had to have perfect 2020 vision. You couldn't have. Is this because everybody wanted every, to be a pilot? The line was around the block, and it oh, wasn't just Rossi guys. Funny. It was anybody who graduated from college that year saw Top Gun and was like, "I'm going to go that's fly." It. Yeah. So it was the most competitive time ever. And but I, without that, you would you have done? I probably would have flown. Yeah, one of my ads was twenty twenty five, and so I didn't get it. And uh, I was kind of bummed. But the thing about flying is it's an eight-year commitment after you get your wings, which takes two years. So the second you say, "I'm going to fly." 10 years. 10 years of your life, right? Automatic. You know you have to stay in for 10 years. But do you have to be a a college graduate to be a – okay. Yeah, you have to be a college grad. And that's a lot of math and engineering and all that I could have gone Rio, which is radar intercept officer, which was Goose. Oh, yeah, okay. Or, you know, the guys in the P3 that work the equipment who, by the way, always go, I'm a pilot. You're not a pilot. (laughs) You're a radar operator who sits in the back seat. Goose was not a pilot. Goose did not fly that plane. But those Mm -hmm. guys still have wings. And when you would go to Miramar Naval Air Station for the Wednesday night, which was the – it was a real thing. The guys would all come out in their jumpsuits. Okay, with the yeah, blue yeah. scarves, and they'd, they'd sit up at the bar. for. Also, that guy hadn't flown in days, <laughs> and he was in his jumpsuit at the bar on Wednesday nights, and it was packed, I mean, packed with women. Oh, I And bet. we were the surface guys, and we would go there, too, and they would all look down like, you surface. And some of the pilot guys are like, well, yeah, at least you're an F-14 <laughs> pilot. I get it. You're kind of cool. You're a radar intercept officer. You sit right. in the back seat. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> you know, you want to go like, you're not a pilot, dick. <laughs> but they totally thought they were like, we're pilots. You're right. not a pilot. So. so they would look down on us surface guys. And so it was Top Gun, and then there was Officer and a Gentleman was the Officer other one. Officer and a Gentleman, but he was a pilot as well. Yeah, yeah. he was. But And then Iron Eagle, he, Iron Eagle. he was a yeah. uh, Marine Corps pilot Okay, with Lou Gossett. I loved those. Those movies were great, man. You know, Officer and a Gentleman is great. Yeah, but you don't stop to think. It was like when you said when it, it was such an amazing recruiting tool. Recruiting. Top Gun, Top Gun and, alone recruit. They just had the pick of the litter. They could tell people, no, thank you, no, yeah. thank you, no, thank you. And it was a good time to be in, man. Like, Well, you weren't, we weren't at war. We were not at war with anybody. It was good timing on your the part. The coal hadn't blown up yet. Our only enemies were the Cold War with the Russians. But in, right. But the, and that the was, Soviet Union that was, was, collapsing. Fall, it was collapsing at that time. <laughs> yeah. So it was the safest time to ever be in the military. And like, the Gulf War didn't kick in until 90, 91? Yeah. yeah. I actually helped my ship get ready 
for the Gulf War. We did all the training exercises, and then my time was up. <laughs> right Good luck, fellas. May, that was it. I sat on the pier that day. <laughs> nice timing. And I said bye, and they were all like, fuck you, Kaler, because <laughs> I got out just as my ship went to the Gulf War. I had escorted tankers in the Persian Gulf, but that was before the Gulf War, and we never for a second thought we were in danger, ever, right. ever. But we weren't even trained to shoot at – like if someone came – if you were at a pier and people came towards the ship, you – the answer was get the fire hose and spray them down. Were there pirates then even in like – well, they wouldn't go after they a military were, ship. You know, but there I mean, were, I guess. I remember like Somali uh, – those guys, obviously, there's – you know, when you're poor countries. Yeah, they they're in a rowboat. Gonna, yeah. They need, they need money. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't what it is now. But yeah, I mean, there was high seas piracy, but it wasn't. Uh... Saddam was our friend back then. Saddam was our friend. <laughs> he was our. Friend. We put him in power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's always and the Mujahideen were right. ours. We had put them in to fight the Russians, and then it's funny because my degree is in political science. Oh. But since my degree came out, the whole world has changed so much that my degree is like it's like I have a degree in telegraph, right? <laughs> you know, in steam locomotion, <laughs> Morse code. Yeah, exactly. Where did <laughs> my degree is so pointless now? It's ridiculous. <laughs> what uh, so what, so you, you're on a ship? Yeah. So your first gig is what's your job on the thing? For I had to go to schools for two years, so I didn't even touch a ship for two years. My first place, I got stationed in Coronado at Surface Warfare. Oh, San Diego, school. right? So my buddies and I, we got an apartment in Pacific That'd be Beach, fun. and we drove to school on Coronado every day for like a year. And we would learn, you know, we sat in classes and then did some practical stuff, but never touched a ship. And then after that, I went in for my specialty, which was anti-submarine warfare. Oh. And so they sent me to San Francisco, and I lived in San Francisco for a year and went to school in Valencia. Or not Valencia, but uh, Vallejo. Vallejo. Which was, they have a Navy base up there. And you would go, and we would go to these classes, and then we'd go play golf (laughs) at Fort Ord. And uh, then finally, I went to my first ship. Which is oh, see, uh, can you hear cut, the spies? They, they, the, you're talking out of a lot uh, of cops in your neighborhood. Uh, we're in a, I'm in the center of it, man. Center of it. That's what's all going on. Well, it's not just cops. It's like I hear every there's a f- ambulance. It, there's a hospital right down That's here. Perfect. There's like fire department. This will all get cut out, right? Oh yeah, no, perfect. This is good stuff. <laughs> You'd have to do some editing. This is gold, it. buddy. So I. So you're in so two years in. I haven't touched a ship. So get, now you're still committed to two more after that, or four more after that? No, t- only. Two more. So two of that was just school, so that's half your <laughs> hitch. Two-year hitch, and I lived on the beach and played volleyball. Yeah, it was the best best oh, time ever. Nice. And they were giving you money, and they would give you money to live. They'd pay your rent and pay you money. It was great. Playing volleyball, this really is Top Gun. It was Top Gun. You your shirts I, out. You're all oiled up. It was really homoerotic. I got a B rating in beach volleyball <laughs> <laughs> while I was in the Navy. Well, we did was play beach volleyball, and I played soccer. Oh, God. And so I finally get on a ship. I get on the USS Henry B. Wilson, which was an old uh, – uh, destroyer, and we went out. Yeah, within six months, we went in a Westpac, which was amazing. And that's where the travel comes in. We went, uh, you know, whole battle group. We go to Hawaii, to the Philippines, over to Thailand, up the coast. Uh, we went to Pakistan, Perth, Australia, Diego Garcia in the middle of the Indian Ocean. We came back. We went to Hong Kong, came back in. We went to Seattle, went up the river, did the Portland Rose Festival. Oh, you went up the river? Yeah. Is that the Astoria River? How's that get? Into Seattle. We went to Portland. Oh, okay. You yeah, could get yeah, up there's... to Portland, up the river. I, didn't, I thought your ship would be too big for that. No, I was blown away. We got up on, uh, was it that ship I went up the river on? Man, that's, that's a lot. So It was crazy. It was so much so fun. So just one boat solo or is this like a flotilla no, battle group, of – battle okay. group. So we were behind the carrier and we were basically in plane guard position. And it, when sh- when planes took off, you know, sometimes they 
get a cold shot and they don't launch into the air and they launch into the ocean and then Ooh. the pilot punches out or whatever. And basically someone has to be there to kind of rescue the, the pilot. A cold shot, that's what it's, it's called? It's a cold shot because, you know, it's a catapult that launches the plane. Yeah. There's a steam catapult, giant metal cables that go shoom and they launch the plane to get enough speed to launch it. And sometimes you would get a cold shot and the plane would just bloop right in the oh. old drinkaroo and uh, somebody had to be there to kind of help the pilots get out because it would take days for the carrier to turn around, you know? So what was your – before you joined the Navy, what was your travel history like that? Did None. you ever leave the country before that? Uh, no. I had walked across the border to Mexico I think one time in California <laughs> with my brother when I came out when I was a kid. And Canada maybe when I was a little kid but never had left the country. So you get my on this fa- ship. It's so weird. I have friends now. Who like, yeah, we took our kids. We went to France and Europe and then Italy and then we jumped up to Prague. Yeah. And I never left any. I never, I never left, left the country anywhere. Until I was 21, I never, never went left. out of the country. Yeah. And honestly, because I, I just did something for uh, the GI Film Festival and I worked for the military channel. So I went back and I spoke and I – and people are so anti-military sometimes. But without the military, I probably would still be working in New Hampshire. I would have never left. Mm-hmm. I would have like played soccer at UNH and I would have got a job there and just hung out. I didn't know about the world until I kind of went out and saw it and you're like, oh my god. You can do anything you want. We'll talk about that. You're, you're in the your first, so you get to Hawaii, and then you're off. Was the Philippines your first stop? Yeah, because the Philippines, I've been there once, and that was one country where they actually still like Americans. At that time, too, that was our <laughs> base. still. I mean, that was the only. Uh, yeah, and at, the, most at this the world time, that, you know, you know, at that time, people did like us. Yeah. they don't like us anymore. It's kind of dangerous to travel more so than it was then. Yeah, but well, the Philippines basically relied on us, and because of Vietnam and stuff, half of the kids who were growing up were half American anyway. We right. planted our seed there. So you get you walk off the ship the first time. Give me your first impressions and what, what were you thinking? I mean, it was like adult Disneyland. I remember all the chiefs taking their wedding rings off and going, let loose old lines. <laughs> and off they went to Subic Bay in the Philippines. And the, every club was like the Top Gun Club, the Mickey Mouse Club, Love America Club. <laughs> and you'd go in and you'd, for five bucks you could get hammered. Right. And not you that know, you did any drinking in the Navy. I did a lot of drinking in the Navy. <laughs> a lot of drinking in the so, Navy. So, I mean, I did go to Manila, though, I, with another guy. So I was not was, impressed with Manila. That's, I wasn't either, but we, I do remember just this. We went in some casino, and we were the only Americans within like miles of the place. And so we were treated like rock stars. And we kind of walked in, and then. Now, you wearing your full. No. Whites no, or whatever. I did not wear my whites to Manila. What is the ruling on that? When you leave the ship, they I've seen both. It goes by location, and it goes the danger, really. Okay. I mean, you want to blend in in certain cities, and other cities you want to show the flag. So we, you're not going to fit in anyway. I mean, the, like no redhead, tall redhead guy is I coming up. Irish, the, I the whitest white Ireland. man coming yeah. in. Yeah, who's the guy from Ireland? <laughs> until I open my mouth, you're a local, right? No, oh, the American. <laughs> I remember riding the subway in the Philippines in Manila, and. I mean, people came out to my shoulders. It was like I was Andre the Giant. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pakistan was the worst place oh, I've yeah. ever been I to on imagine. Earth. Horrible. Yeah. I've been to India, but I haven't been to... I'm yeah, assuming it it's very similar. Disgusting. And stunk. Like, the country stunk. Everybody got sick. Yeah. Everybody yeah, lost. It's just like India. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> literally lost, I think, 15 pounds. Like, people were, I'm going to die. How long were your... Like shore leaves and stuff. You would have like, you know, anywhere between four to seven days. But out of those, you have duty. Like you can never leave the ship unmanned. So you were lucky if you were in four, um, you know, rotation of four. But most of the time you were probably in rotation of three, which means every third day you had to be on the ship. Because mm-hmm. the ship has to be ready to go at a moment's notice. So you fueled and cleaned and all the other stuff and yeah. stocked, stocked with food and – 
Well, and ready to fight. Oh, okay. More than anything, I mean, it is a you know, it's a naval ship. But you have to spend every night back on the ship. You didn't have to. No, oh, if you, you if you had duty, you'd have to be back for duty. Okay. And so it was funny. Some nights you'd go and you'd spend it off the ship. I remember in Australia, I met uh, a local and hung out hmm, at her house you. with her parents, like her whole family. <laughs> For days, and then they—I remember them trying to get me back by like six a.m. because—and the guy who's getting relieved of duty has his bags packed on the, the gangplank, waiting for you. Like the second you walk on the ship, he walks off the ship, and so you can't be late at all. They get so pissed. You can go to—you know—you get in trouble. <laughs> Was there one country and one uh, shore leave that every so every sailor wanted to go to? Like Perth was a big one. See, I haven't been to Perth. Perth is hard to get to. Nobody's I, been to Perth. The only it's the most yeah. remote city in the on world. On Earth. It's like 1,000 yeah. miles away from anywhere. It's very it's like, like 10,000 miles away yeah. from everything. It was like San Diego. It was really cool. It That's what really, I'm guessing. It was a really cool city. But I've never been to the other side. I've never been to Brisbane or... Uh, oh, Sydney? You've never I've been? I've never been to Sydney. Really? I know. And Sydney everybody and does stand-up. Have you done stand-up there? Yeah, I, do, I just did some open mics there, like, and I did some gig down in Melbourne. Now, but, does our sense of humor go over there? Um, I've, This was like... 18 years ago but I mean it, it was fine and now they're all and I've talked to we had Eddie If down here I was gonna say like Eddie Ift is a legend he's like the prince Arch Barker is kind of the king of American comics there and then Eddie is like the prince almost but it's like it's changed a lot he said because there used to be one show that was like the Tonight Show used to be that if they had three channels and everybody watched this one show I think it's Rove live and he's out here now but uh, if you did a set on this show by the next day the whole country knew your name so you could you were a draw and so what happened was a lot of comics would go there and they would do the show and they'd kill but they wouldn't go back but ours just kept going back right. and eddie said he got like he was like one of the last ones who got in on that because now they all have satellites they have comedy central right. so now they want names like chelsea handler daniel tosh and those guys they want right. and now they're all you know stand-up is ex- exploded around the world you know right. I, they were doing it in germany when i was there and you know the, every country i went to th- in like central europe had their own comedy thing because they know it's cheap programming what is it you, what, know, you know you set up a camera you shoot some comics and you, you pay no writers right just, but does our sense of humor go over like i just don't think well it, you know english speaking people listening to sure it? uh yeah in germany uh, well, no, the, this was in German, but I, I played. I did a, a set in Berlin a couple of years ago. Well, who was in the audience? It was, was a, it? it was like English comedy night. They built it, so it was a lot of expats. Yeah, a lot it's of, expats uh, and military guys, probably. British. Um, God, I met, a, I met British. There was How did Israelis. It there was like. Was Eastern, it fun? Yeah, it was fun. It was great. Did you, did you talk about your lifestyle in America, or were you talking about more yeah, generic you things that were. You can were, never come off. I mean, they always love. Uh, American bashing always does well. Yeah. Um, so if you're self-deprecating about it and, yeah. you know, how we all like have guns and shoot each other. But that and, traffic bit about Sepulveda is probably not going to go up yeah. too well. <laughs> exactly. I love when I see guys on the road and they're like, they're doing yeah. like local 405 jokes and you're like, wow, dude, that's really not going to yeah, go well. I found that anti-Bush material goes very well. Still probably. Oh, yeah, Even that, nowadays. It was, uh, it was rough. Especially the last few years of his second term, it was rough. You know, Everything I I, turned after the... Iraq. Yeah. Once we went into Iraq and the world went, uh, why you? They didn't attack you. What's? And they they weren't behind us on that. That's why we couldn't build a coalition. Here's what I think, though. Here's I like we all are like, boy, you failed over there. You didn't put in. You know, you didn't establish a democratic government. The place is in turmoil. It's it's worse than we left it. I think that was their original plan. I think it's always been their plan that they go. 
look, if we can't set up a democratic, friendly government that we'll, we can work with, what we'll do is we'll destroy that country so badly that they can't hurt us. Does that make sense? <laughs> like well, logically, I think they, they go, we win anyway, because either way, our whole goal was so that you can't hit us. Yeah, but I mean, they, it wasn't their military that attacked us. It was some jerk-offs with uh, the box cutters. You know what I mean? So but they use that specifically to destroy – like why else would you not go into North Korea? Like he was a horrible dictator. Because, yeah, there's millions of them. We, yeah. I mean you're going to invade them all though? No, they invade the ones that they have a, oil. Have oil. Have oil, yeah. B, Let's be honest. could theoretically come back to harm us in some way. And so, yeah, it's, it's about natural resources. And, yeah. uh, but I think he goes, yeah, we, we did a great job over there. We just destroyed that place. <laughs> We sent those people back 2,000 years. They're not going to hurt us. They weren't caught up to begin with. Yeah, I know. I mean, so with studying political science and and going around the world for the first time, how did how did you look at that and go, based on what you had studied, and how was it different than what you saw with your own eyes? Well, I think any practical experience, you definitely – I mean, just to see people living their lives, because you, you see it on such a massive basis of like, oh, this is the Russian. But you forget that every day there's a million – Millions of Russians who are getting up trying to live their life just the same way as we yeah. are. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a bunch of people being ruled by a handful of bureaucrats. Yeah, just trying to the feed end their the kids. Day, and what, Every day they're like, you know, what do you think about this? I go, you know what I think? I think I, I'm trying to pay my mortgage. Yeah, I need a job. I need a job. I got and, a kids to feed. Yeah, and, yeah. and my vacuum cleaner's broken, and I got to go to Costco later <laughs> right. today. That's pretty much the extent of these 24 hours. Mm-hmm. At the end of that, I don't know what I think about, you know, these rights and this happening and and, and – were some, there some bill? Were there any scary incidences of you like over the overseas, and when you came off the ship, you just got a bad vibe, like they didn't want you there? Um, no, not when I was in. I mean, I remember we had, you know, it was mostly the trouble was with guys that I was in charge of. Like I had a division of like ninety guys that I ruled. Ruled is not the right word, but I was. I there. ruled with an I was iron a fist. I was a manager. I guess basically in the Navy, you're a manager. I had a division of guys that I was in charge of. And so when, you know, I get a call and someone would go, hey, so and so's in jail. And I'd have to go bail them out of jail in the Philippines because that kid's 18 years old. Yeah, he's from he's Iowa. Never he's never been with a been woman anywhere. in his life. And he got off a boat in the Philippines and he came back with a wife <laughs> of some crazy woman who's like, I love you, Lord. You know, and that's, that's a real story. And so these guys are hammered and I have to go bail them out of jail. And. I noticed the also like military guys always they have a tendency to marry early. Like that was a way to uh, like a to keep their girlfriends loyal. You need at someone home. to take care of your place while you're gone. Yeah, I guess, and also and get your mail. But don't you get a better like? Um, oh, you make a little money. You can live off base or something. But I think it's also the mentality of how they grew up. Like like we live in LA. small town guys. Yes, they're small town guys. Like if you wherever you're from, Chicago, like kids in the suburbs, they grow up and they get married young. Yeah, I mean if yeah they never leave. T- yeah. yeah. People in my – I just went to my uh, reunion and people I had my classmates gra- showing me grandkids. They were grandparents, yeah. yeah. Me too. And I was like, I just had a baby. <laughs> my wife just had a baby. I have a nine-month-old. And they were like, we have like yeah. 10-year-old grandkids. We're on our third marriage. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of waited. So two years of on the ship. That's how long you were – what rank do you go in as? I went in as an ensign. Okay. and then, But I ended up doing another ship too. So I ended up doing three more years. So I did five. Because my ship was getting ready to deploy, and I stuck around a little bit to help them get ready. And then I got out right before they left. Okay. So then you get back to small town, New San Hampshire. San Diego. I never went back to New Hampshire. You never went back? No, I never went back. And But you knew I'm not going back? I never it's, went back. 
Okay. Oh, right when I get out, you mean of the Navy? Yeah. I remember my parents were in Florida at the time they'd retired, and my father was so mad that I got out of the military. I do a lot of material about it, but just he was so angry. Was he a lifelong Navy he man? He had or? flown in World War II, and my brother's an admiral. My brother oh, had done God, 30 yeah. years, and so when I got out, like I told him I was getting out to be an actor, and he was so crushed. <laughs> he was like, he thinks John Wayne fought in every war throughout history. I'm like, John Wayne's an actor, Dad. He's not. Yeah. Reagan was never in the yeah. military. He played yeah. one. But uh, yeah, yeah. he's never in it. And I've done all these as jokes, but it's it really happened. He, I had been out for one year, and you know, I'm, I got a bartending job, and I was living in San Diego and loving life. I mean, mm-hmm. I was working at a micro brew pub and just loving life and living on the beach. I would ride my bike, and I just got in the navy. And he, I got a letter from my dad, and I opened it up, and there was no letter. It was just. A cutout from the Navy Times pay scale, and he highlighted what I would be making had I stayed into the Navy, like where my <laughs> plus six years at that rate. And then he wrote in the margin, pretty good, huh? And that's all. That was all that was in the envelope from my father. <laughs> and he was like, he was so upset. It kind of bums me out because he's passed away now, and he never really saw me do my boys. He didn't see the military channel show. He would have mm-hmm. been like, he would have dug it. Yeah, it's weird. You, you try to look for that validation, and, and until yeah. they're on. TV and and now it's like especially something like the Tonight Show, yeah, which doesn't have the cachet that it used to and stuff. But it, you know, the only person like in club owners or anything like that, it matters to your family, the, especially the older generation. It's, it's like a, a validation of like, have you ever done the Tonight Show? Yeah, and they will introduce you to their friends. Oh, like you know, Jamie's done the Tonight Show. Yeah, <gasps> how many well, people do we know? Did you ever do it? I never did it. I did I the know. Ferguson, but I, I never, did Ferguson. And that you, was a little, you know, that's that good. good. That was a good hit. It's still not the, ten, you Dude, know. Just doing just the Montreal Comedy tonight. Festival for yeah. me was a big ticket punch. But yeah, I, uh, it's funny, man. It's, it's we know family, people, it carries weight. We know people who've done The Tonight Show like 30 times and still can't draw. On oh, the yeah. It's not, yeah, it's definitely, it's just another TV credit now yeah. in the business. But it's still to your family, especially to people who aren't in the business. It that's the first question. Yeah. Because if you, if you, you tell people on a plane... Ooh. They'll go. Have so? Have you done the Tonight Show? And you can go yes, and that just adds like, okay, I'm not an open. Well, you can say yes anyway. You know that, right? Oh yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> good point. Well, now they can IMDb or something. You know, they can actually look it up in a second. <laughs> hey, Google you. Hey, this asshole never did. That guy never. That guy lied on that plane <laughs> that day. I don't even tell. Do you? I, I normally don't tell people what I do on a plane because then, no, never. No, no. Then you're answering the same twelve question that yeah. you've answered for the yeah, last. I thought one. you looked familiar. What so have I were seen you, you like in? the uh, class clown in high school? Were what you made funny? you want to? Do- I always wanted to be. Who one. are your favorite comedians? Yeah. Ugh. I usually tell people I pick up bodies for the morgue, <laughs> and they leave me alone immediately. They yeah. Go, what do you do for a living? I go pick up dead bodies, and they go what? And I go yeah for the morgue. I, I just pick up bodies. I just say I'm like an account executive. I don't say, I don't say what I business. Do, I don't knew say- a guy who did do that. That was his job. He picks up bodies. He did. Uh, this guy, the guy I shot friends with, Mike DiMaggio, who you might know. He was an actor, and mm-hmm. now he produces uh, The Amazing Race. Oh, really wow, good okay. cat. But he had done. Uh, you're thinking of Night Shift, the movie. That's what you're thinking. No, but he told me the most <laughs> horrible story. He'd get paid per pickup, and they would call him and say, you know, we have a suicide or we have a murder victim. And after the scene was closed, he was the guy who would go pick up the body. Oh, wow. And strap it in and throw it in the morgue and take it down to the morgue and drop it off. Like, so he had to actually pick it up and put oh, it in the body bag and take it. And I was always like, oh, dude. He goes, I know. He goes, he, they had some, you know, some they would find like three weeks later. Oh. They killed themselves in their tub. And it was like, he was like, yeah, it was like soup. He was like, he told me oh, one where they no. went to pick it up and it like came apart. <laughs> I was like, dude, you couldn't, you couldn't pay me enough money. I worry about that. that. That's the one thing I worry about, like uh, living alone. And then because I travel a lot too, 
I asked some of my friends, so like if I, because I was climbing something here, in, like in my closet, I was trying to get Dead. in the crawl space, and I fell in yep. my closet here. And I luckily I was okay, but it's like if I had wrenched my back or something, I couldn't move. I would have been standing there screaming and hoping that like the people downstairs heard me or something. But I asked my friends, I was like, "So you didn't hear from me for say for a couple of weeks? What would you think?" And I'm like, "Well, we think you were out of town." It's like because you're always traveling. Yeah. And so I got another friend of mine that I call up every so often. We'll just text each other every couple of days. It's like, not dead. That's it. That's, and that's funny. We just trade not dead back and forth. And she lives alone. We're like, okay. Maybe or it's I time choke for, on a Maybe sandwich. it's time for a life alert. Maybe. <laughs> a life alert. A fallen and I can't get up. You that reach one? that point where it's either get married or get life alert. Those are your two choices at this point. <laughs> yeah. Going to live in a commune, maybe. It does reach that point. I mean, I, before I got married, I, w- I never thought I was going to get married. I was like, you know, in my 40s, and I would come home at night, and I'd be watching TV by myself, and then I'd be like, man, I, no one knows I'm here. Nobody knows I'm here. <laughs> That's I get now. it. I get it. Only I'll be in Thailand. That's even scarier. I started to have conversations with myself. That was when I knew, because I, I would be watching TV, and uh, I'd be watching a sports highlight, and I'd go, oh, you got to hit that shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He does, but he, you know, he was kind of well guarded. Well, he was well guarded, but you should still make that shot. I know, but the guy, the defense is pretty. And all of a sudden, I'm talking to myself. I'm my own morning zoo. Yeah, and it was, what's happening yeah, here? It got bad. <laughs> and also, you just never have a reason to stay in. Like friends would call and go, "Hey, you want to go out?" I go, "Yeah, yeah." I got no reason not to go out. And all of a sudden, I was like, "I, I really need to get some sleep." Man. <laughs> and then you kind of get up, and there was nobody. Kind of, you just. It was kind of hard. It was really got to a point where I was like, and, and all you, my friends were getting married one by one, and I was kind of the last man standing. It was like uh, ten little Indians. Well, second to last man. So you're the last man. <laughs> I have one other friend who's still not married, but you're it. Well, I figured if I was going to be single, that's why. That's where all this. I'm going to do what guys can't do. Are you dating when, anybody uh, at the moment? No. <clears throat> I worry about you a little bit, man. I'm traveling. I'm I'm gone. This is your thing. I'm traveling. heading back to Croatia. But isn't traveling so much more fun with somebody? It can be, uh, or it can be so much worse with somebody. No, if it's well, that's if it's somebody bad to travel with. Right. Usually, I'm, that's why I'm very picky about who I can travel with. Do because, you end up meeting people where you travel? Yeah. So you're you can always do that. You yeah, I have friends all around the world, okay. and that's. Um, that's one of my favorite things about it. Because sometimes traveling with somebody, especially of the opposite sex, is nothing like hotel sex. Yeah, I've been Crazy many places sex. that I've I've actually held off going because they're so like for couple, like the Greek islands and stuff. Right. It's like I got to bring a girl. You got to bring. I a mean, girl. you can't be solo. I think Vegas I mean, is like that. Hawaii is definitely like Hawaii's that. I've been to Maui definitely. with some dudes on a surfing trip, and yeah. we were like, "Hey, so where are we going after?" Uh, well, the Maui everybody's in bed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're all in their uh, hotel rooms having sex, and you're just yeah. you know. And then locals hate you. Locals you know, they hate you. <laughs> the best thing about Maui is the fact that, and why can't the whole world be like this? Where we go have our day, we have fun, and then at like seven seven thirty, we go. Let's have a couple drinks, be adults, and you know what we should do? Let's go to bed by eight thirty or nine and have another great day tomorrow. Instead of New York, where you're like, hey, let's go out. All right, I'll meet you at so, one. Yeah. We're out till 5 a.m. What, what am I supposed to do till 1? I can't even stay awake that late. <laughs> oh, did you ever go there on uh, Fleet Week? No, I never did New York. Because when Fleet I lived Week. in New York, I always see those no. guys on Fleet Week, and that was like the big deal. No. Fleet Week, uh, San Diego, and then the Portland Rose Festival was for me like just one of the most epic weeks of all time. The Rose Festival? What they happens? They have a Rose there? Festival in Portland, Oregon. That's, I mean, if you, 
I, I don't know if it's like this anymore, but we went years ago, and it was so amazing. Like when you had your uniform on, if you walked around the town in the Rose Festival, back in those days, people would go, come with us. That was it. You would disappear for like – with just groups of people and women and they would go, we're going here and they would take you everywhere and just – they kind of adopted you. It was amazing. <laughs> Perth was like that too. Oh, really? Like we, I totally got adopted by a family in Perth and they just took me everywhere. Did this, this family have an attractive daughter? They did. It was oh, odd. Have, it's odd how those we, families yeah. typically have attractive daughters. It's so weird. Just so, so weird, weird how that works. Just a total coincidence. No big deal. <laughs> I honestly sometimes wonder where that girl is because I gave her a BU Boston University sweatshirt and uh, – that was really all I gave her, and but we had an amazing week together. And she was, I want to say, eighteen or nineteen years old, and I was like twenty one, oh, twenty two years old. It was like you could probably find her online somewhere. I don't know her name. I don't know. Oh, do you oh, really? Do you remember everybody's name for your no. entire life? No. Well, I, mean, I have blocks in my memory of my life that I go. No, I have I don't a horrible remember the person's name, but I remember very specific visuals well this was way pre-facebook yeah. so there's like i i found i was just doing some spring cleaning and i found she's this, in her 40s now she's probably got a couple yeah. kids and she probably talks about that you know the american navy i found the uh this trip that i took i took like a bus trip through new zealand like in 96 mm-hmm. and uh we had this is all pre-internet kind of stuff so right. we filled out a sheet where everybody wrote their address you know, and phone numbers, right. and we shared it around the bus, and we made photocopies so everybody had one, and that's how we kept it. And of course, you lose track. Are you still in touch? And now, no, n- nobody. And now, with, I don't remember people's names, man. Oh God, yeah, I, I don't have, remember without this sheet. Girlfriends. I wouldn't have remembered anybody. Yeah, I actually, uh, an old college girlfriend found me, who, and I was not the nicest guy in college. <laughs> I want to say I was. But Which I, school was this? I, Boston U. I drank a lot, and I, you know, I was coming into my own. Uh, with women. And so I definitely didn't have one girlfriend all of my college years. I kind of tried to, you know, you did it right. meet and greet as many people as I could. Yes. But women in college aren't like that a lot of times. They think they're meeting the guy for the rest of their life. Well, yeah. And so I might not have been as, you know, as, I don't know, kind as I could have been. <laughs> well, I wasn't trying to be a dick, but I was like, hey, you know, we, we, we saw each yeah, other, but 19. now we're not seeing each other. <laughs> but they were like, why aren't we still seeing each other? And I was like, well, that's – I'm seeing that person mm-hmm. and I'm not even seeing them anymore. That just ended. I'm on to this person. I'm, yeah, little meet and greets. I always have a jealousy of anybody who went to college in Boston because it's like it's the greatest time. college town ever. You know, it's, it's really like 40 great. colleges in one city. And and it was the 80s. So oh. it was – I don't know if you remember, but the Boston yeah, music I was in college scene. in the 80s. Boston music scene was pretty great then. Who were the big bands? The Cars the- were big and Treat or Right and all these like crazy uh, – Till Tuesday. Oh, yeah. Amy Mann's out here, which is really funny because one of the writers on the show, My Boys, is really good friends with her. And I've seen her at his parties and stuff and I've never had yeah, the I've courage to go up and go too. like, I'm a really big fan of yours <laughs> and I know we're the same age. But I really liked you and Michael Penn who I think they got married. Yeah. And I was a huge fan of his too, Romeo. And, and, and mm-hmm. so I remember – uh, Boston in the '80s, and the Rat Skeller. All the bands came through there, definitely. And yeah, I but was... so many comedians came out of there too. Did you, did you dude? See them I went all? to school with them. I was Navy. Oh right. But Fitzsimmons, uh, Jeff like Ross. Half those guys seemed to go to Emerson. That was always the big school. They were B. Leary was was Emerson. Yeah, was Janine Garofalo? She there was Emerson, thing? I think. Stephen Wright was there. Uh, Leary. Elon Gold. Elon was there. Yeah. Was BU. 
uh, all these people were BU, but the problem was I was not in the theater arts program. I was a political science major, and I was a ROTC kid. Oh, okay. And so I never did any of that. But those guys were doing stand-up then. And I, I Marin was up there, too. Marin was there. Yep. Yeah. They were all there. The comedy scene was it was crazy then. Stephen Wright was the big name in town, and uh, it was pretty big. And, and there's those hardcore Boston guys who yep. never left. I remember, like, Tony V. I worked yes. with. And uh, Steve. Is it C's? Uh, who's the crazy... Uh, Nick DiPaolo was up there. Nick DiPaolo was there. Anthony Clark. What's funny is I've chatted with those guys here and there, but I and I always kind of wanted to be included in their group, but I'm not. (laughs) I didn't start there. We started out here. I started out here, and I started way after the Navy. And uh, I was like 35 when I really started doing stand up. I had done sketch before that, but every time I meet those guys, and even when I did shows like a headline, the connection, and the guy who was the feature uh, was like. He was such a dick. He was like, "This is." I met him, and I go, "Hey, it's nice to meet you." Hey, and he goes, "How long you been doing stand up?" First words he said to me, uh-huh. and I was the headliner, and he was the feature, and he'd obviously been doing stand up for like thirty years, and he just never. And I tried to right. be nice, but he just never once gave in and was like, "Yeah, you're okay." All right, and you go, "Hey, maybe you should have left Boston." Yeah, it's not my fault. <laughs> you you try to get some TV credits. Yeah, if or... I got mad at everyone I came up with who was really successful people, I'd be a really angry a, young man. Well, I, you know, a lot of us are like angry and cocky when we started, and yeah. some guy sat me down. And, you know, we were watching some bad act on TV in a condo somewhere, and I was like, "This guy sucks." And he goes, "Look, there is always going to be someone who's doing it less than you, yep. who's doing better, who's less funny than you." Yeah, and once you accept it. And just do your thing and just move on. You just got to accept it. That's life. There's That's also life in any business, any by business, the way. Any, any business. business. There's also going to be guys who are way better than you. Yeah, who've been doing it less. way less successful than you. Th- that too. Yeah. That too. Yeah. It's just – it's a, there's no fairness in this business. No. You go to enough commercial auditions, you're like, well, isn't it my turn? No, it's not your turn. <laughs> yeah. Why does that guy keep getting all the jobs? Because he's really good. Mm-hmm. He's really good. He has a certain look. He's – He's very good at what he does. I don't know what to tell you. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. I think commercials to me are like – when you see somebody who books a lot of commercials, they're really talented. Yeah. People forget that. They're really hard to book. And you see the same guys in like 20 commercials. You go, you know why? That guy walks into a room yeah. and in 30 seconds destroys. Yeah, and they're doing something in there that people are responding to. They yep. got a little something. They got something, and they're yeah. really good at it, and they're charismatic, and they're charming. Joel, before Talk Soup, he used to book every other commercial, and he'd be like, God damn it. Yeah. And he was a really charming, witty, funny guy, and he would walk into rooms, and people go, I want to work with you. Yeah. I care way too much sometimes. I walk into rooms, and I'm like, I really want this job, and they can smell it. Oh yeah, smell, smell you have desperation to walk in off and you. Go, I don't care what you think. <laughs> people do that. Well, let's get back to travel. That's oh yeah. First of all, the um. So just to kind of wrap it up, so you uh you get off the ship, you get out of the navy. Mm-hmm. Did that kind of like take away uh, the traveling bug for you? Did you have any desire to like? No. Yeah. No. It de- definitely took away the traveling. Really? Bug. Yeah. I didn't want to travel. I'd kind of seen the world, and I, I, I mean, it definitely made me miss America. Mm-hmm. Definitely made me miss America. I mean, since then I've gone back. I haven't done Europe as much as I'd like to. I went to France and London, and I felt like they hated me. I felt. <laughs> what, like, did you perform? No, I was. I just went for a couple of weeks. <laughs> just I, walk around the streets. They felt yeah, like they hated I felt you. Like in France, especially, we were there during the hottest month of the summer when they're all oh, on yeah, holiday, you know. and it's the worst time to travel. And ugly Americans were everywhere. And I, I tried to be cool, like, hey, I'm not one of those guys. I'm a cool guy, American. And they were like, no, you're a dick. <laughs> 
Um, well, I still have a big city like Italy. Paris or something. They have a different. There's attitude. so many places I, oh, I would you, love you to go, go now. But, have you been uh, to Ireland, the motherland? Never been to Ireland. Oh come on! I know, dude. I know. You walk off, everybody looks like you walking off the. I will tell you that more. The more I travel, the more I missed America, and I I think I got my traveling bug out by traveling in America. Like I, I'm the same. I've been to I think every state yeah. now and done. Uh, you know. But don't you find the, the the problem I have with going around America is after a while it looks so much the same. I almost feel like most of the world feels like that now. It's like everywhere has got well, a I mean, gap. You see your Starbucks and, a mall and, your, yeah. and a, yeah, it's like everything's so homogenized. They go, "Hey, bring me back something from there," and I go, "I can buy it here." No more can you get something that's so unique to an area unless it's a crazy third world country yeah. that you don't want to go to in the first place. I'm like, when people go to India now, I'm like, "Why do you want to go to India, man? You're gonna get you're gonna get sick." <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, there's a, I mean, there is a fascinating. I went, you know, for three weeks, and it was, uh, I don't know, it, was it my favorite place? No, was it? Uh, I would say it's amazing good and amazing bad. You know, there's there's like some really cool places. Don't want to go. And there's some uh, really awful, horrendous. There's nothing I want to see there. I've been to South Africa, Cape Town. I, I have been there. there. Cape Town's beautiful. Beautiful. Would what did never you shoot go there? again? I shot a commercial for Suave. Never saw it. I only worked two of like eight days. That is so a I, nice gig. It was a great gig. Wow. What? Blue, like first class, $25,000 ticket. For like the shampoo? Yeah, for a shampoo commercial. That crazy. They, need, they, they had no local redheads they could use? None. <laughs> <laughs> we have to import some redheads? Diplomatic down immunity. <laughs> I, where, there's only a few places I think I would like to go still. Okay, where's that? Uh, I would like to go to Iceland. Yeah, me too. I've never been. Never been? No. I would like to go there for some reason. I want to go. Never done Italy. Oh, you need to. I want to do some more Europe. Germany I'd like to do. I've like traveled really quickly through it. Those are all good. I mean, you won't get sick there. Germany's cleaner than here. You, know? uh, <laughs> you might get cured of something really when you go there. I'm not really a big fan of like, crazy places. You know what I really like? I, I did a USO tour in Japan, and I, I really love the culture in Japan. I would love to go spend some time in the non-nuclear part of Japan. Yeah, Japan's cool. Japan's pretty cool. It's expensive, but it's cool. Yes. Tokyo's very expensive. Yeah, I've heard. I would really like to do some extended time in Japan. And the toilet technology alone, amazing. Electric toilets. Is that right? Like a, the squirt gun comes at the oh, It's like there's music awesome. you can have there. It, I loved awesome. Hong Kong. Hong Kong's really cool. I really liked it. I went before it came, went back to the Chinese. I went when it was British. Oh, see, I only been like a few years ago. It was. I think it's still a lot of expats, though, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's yeah. still very British. Yeah, there's parts of it looks like bought London. Bought a suit. Bought a suit there. Oh, you did? Yeah. Uh, Custom tailored. Like I'm go. still kicking myself for not doing it. Yeah. I was, I was hanging out with uh, Dwayne Perkins was doing a, a club there. Is that right? We were, yeah, we were hanging out, and I was just passing through, and so I just hung with him for a few days, and he went and got a suit, and he was with some girl, and I didn't feel like being the third wheel, but now I'm pissed that I didn't go with him. To get it's like suit. 200 bucks, and it's like cut yes. to you. It was a good suit, actually. I, re- I wore it a lot. The other side of Australia I'd like to go to, but there's nowhere else in Africa I want to go to. Yeah, Africa can be tough. I went to Cape Town. Uh, I've been to Portugal. I went to the Azores. Oh, really? That was amazing. I one of those to crazy tours with my with the Navy. I went. It was amazing. Uh, I'd love to go. I've never been to Spain. Oh, yeah. Where, those are all good the, choices. Where are the last couple places that you want to go to that you've that you haven't gone? Uh, Greece, the Greek islands. I yeah, still haven't done. I, obviously. We saw we all saw Summer Lovers with Daryl Hannah <laughs> and Harry Hamlin, right, right. And I want to do that. And uh, I want to. I'm a scuba diver, so I want to go to like Palau and the and uh, 
in the Pacific and where's where else? What the where's barrier the barrier reef in Australia? Yeah, I did that in Australia. That was that was. Pretty I've, nice. I got scuba diving certified, and I've been a few times. But honestly, I'm, it kind of terrifies me yeah. a little bit. I, I, w- I remember being under like a hundred feet and almost having a panic attack. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> like it's scary to me. It's See, the Navy scary. to me is my worst nightmare because I get seasick. So I my would, boss got seasick, oh. and every time we'd pull out to sea, he would go to bed, and I'd be like, "This is the greatest job ever." That guy left me alone. He mm. couldn't get out of bed. He'd be like, "Can you come to my room? I want to go over some stuff with you." And he was, I was like, "You should choose a different job, dude." <laughs> like if you went to your office every day and it, you got nauseous, yeah, would you keep doing that? I watch things like uh, with the deadliest catch and stuff. I go, "That is my worst nightmare." That is that would be those ships awful. move, man. Yeah, I we we came across the North Pacific even on our destroyer. The thing bent like twenty five degrees, thirty degrees, and it would only go one way. Oh, like it never just... went like a. You know, like a metronome, because it it went back to twelve o'clock, but the sea would hit it again, and it. So you're basically, it would just keep pushing you one way over oh. the whole way across, and it was for like, I'm getting nauseous you know, just a week. About it. I'm getting nauseous thinking about it. People <laughs> were, we had a puke board on the bridge, and like people would call in, Jones just puked, Jones on the board, and it was only like by the end, there was only a handful of us left who had not thrown up. You just didn't have that. Uh, cast iron well, you're stomach. lucky. Man, are you get seasick once, and it was only because I was ridiculously hungover. And That'll it was do it. On the sailboat, on our way to Montauk, and we were all hungover, <laughs> and we all puked, and it was like stormy <laughs> weather, and it was a sailboat. But you know what makes me laugh is you know the ship. Uh, people forget how giant the ocean is and the world is. It is crazy. We get caught up in these little small towns of like New Hampshire, and when that sh- when that plane went missing in Malaysia, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, we can't find it." Have you been in the middle of the yeah. Indian Ocean? It's really hard to find stuff, especially when it's laying on the bottom of the ocean. My friend Mike Dwyer, who did the show here last month, uh, told me the same thing because that was all the story. And I go, yeah, why are people saying they can't find it? And he goes, it, needle in a haystack doesn't even no, describe it's, it. it's insurmountable. The he thought, said they're never going to find it. They're thing. never going if, to. If they do find it, someone's just going to accidentally find it mm-hmm. because it's the scope of the ocean – I remember when we sailed from Perth to Diego Garcia, which is in the middle of the Indian Ocean. And at points we were like – we were in the middle of the ocean and we were over a 1,000 miles away from land, like the closest point of land, a 1,000 miles. People don't understand. It's halfway across the country. It's so much space. How long does it take to go from San Diego to the Philippines, like across the Pacific? Uh, We had to stop in Hawaii to pick up supplies. It took at least a couple weeks going like 25, 30 knots. And that's 24 hours a day. We don't stop. We're continually moving. It's it's that's crazy. A, it's a big ocean. Yeah, and we would go dark and stupid at times where the power plant would shut down and we would just bob in the ocean like a cork and everything's dark because, you know, something happened and then they would have to restart it, re-kick the whole thing. And, uh, the scariest instance ever on the boat, ever, the entire, in your whole Navy career, uh, any scary and like... Well, the biggest fear is fire. It's always fire. So we trained all the time for fire. At that point, it wasn't really security. Nowadays, I'm sure it's security. Like right. people are – we would always do drills. We would run down to the armory and grab a weapon and form our security force and try to – we would pretend people had taken the ship and we had to take it back like under siege, you know, mm-hmm. basically like that. But I think fire was always a scary. So anytime there would be a fire breakout. But we did go dark and stupid in the middle of the ocean. I remember for hours we were just bobbing around and you start to – everything goes and it gets ridiculously quiet. And the ship's and just it's moving. Dark in the middle of the ocean. There's no. Well, there's no lights on the ship. Moonlight. You know, you try to get a flashlight <laughs> or whatever. But there's yeah. So you had to feel your way up. It was kind of scary. Uh, submarine probably the scariest thing. I went under oh, for four those days. Freaked me out, man. Four days under. 
Four days underneath. Four days under. It was very – you look at the gauge on the bridge and you'd be like, we're 600 feet underwater. 600 feet. This, I mean, nobody gets rescued from those things. If something happens, it just goes right down. Oof, it's man. pretty hard. Remember the Soviets or whatever? They just those guys get lost. Tons of submarines. Oh, really? Even the Mer the what was it called? The Mersk or something? Were they? No, the Mersk was the uh, the, the that's that one. What's the, the, the one? Ship, the cargo ship. What's the sub where they? It had a nuclear meltdown, so they just they couldn't open it up and let everyone out, and they just sat on the ocean. They sat on the bottom for like and days. Just died. Yeah, and slowly died. <sighs> yeah, that's pretty scary, actually. A submarine would be the last thing. I, I would think, no. I mean, they're ridiculous. I would do anything safe. else in the military. In the old days, though, like in the you know Revolutionary War, they had a sub. They would oh, paddle crazy. out, right? <laughs> yeah. Those guys, uh, uh, the monitor. A wasn't it called the monitor? Tin can. Yeah. Oh, and they had a crank God. thing that they would crank the propeller and try and to just move. Just like a across. hose that yeah. went up to the yeah. top. Yeah, and try to get air. air. They can only go a couple feet under, and then they'd go out and try to blow up the ship in the harbor. Those guys were <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Those balls. We're such pussies now compared to those guys. We are kind of pussies. Those guys. <laughs> <laughs> like when you look at the Civil War, you go, oh, man, we're giant pussies. Yeah. Freezing cold, the Battle of the Bulge where you're like freezing frostbite and you're trying to pull a no, trigger. I can't imagine. I can't like, imagine what they went through. And now even now, just compared to Vietnam, you know, they're saying all these people that are coming home from the Gulf, uh, you know, from Iraq and Afghanistan now, where if this was Vietnam, they would have died. Because yeah. because our first aid and everything has gotten so much better, yeah. and our protections and and things like that. So that's why there's so many more injured now. Where you could lose all your limbs, yeah, and a I'm, hunk of your head, and they still can save you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is crazy. The battlefield medicine has basically pushed medicine forward over hundreds of years. Anytime that's always the training ground where guys learn how to save human life. To a point where you're like, should should people be alive when it's like, yeah, it's just nothing left of you. Four different four yeah. limbs that are fake. I know. But if you so if you had to go like your favorite cities around the U.S., like when you see that on your schedule, say you're going on tour and you're going, okay, I love that yeah. place, love that place, Chicago. Yeah, a boy, top, maybe top, Seattle. Uh, New York's always great. It's physically draining. You're gonna lose. Mm. <laughs> you have you have to see so many friends, and you you're not gonna. Yeah, you, I, you're, I know. You're not gonna get any sleep, but it's amazing. Boston, I love. Did you ever do New Orleans? Uh, I've never done a gig there. Been through New Orleans. I'm not a huge fan of New Orleans. You love it, right? Didn't that's, we talk about this one of those before? unique cities that I think that <sighs> it's a little hot and humid and well, yeah, uh, and but, the parties for, crazy. again for two days. Austin, I love. Austin's good. You know what I really liked was Tempe, the Tempe Improv. I really had a good time at. Really? Yeah, Scottsdale. It's great. Hmm. Uh, I didn't love Vegas. I didn't love performing in Vegas. The crowds are no very old and blue hairy. <laughs> Where else have I? I it, sometimes it's just the small town, the weird small towns that you get, and you you kind of become like the local hero, and it's everyone shows you such a good time. I had that in Montana. Where I ended up having dinner with like locals, where they like, come home with us. I was like, all right. You know, you, you know when you're getting a weird mood sometimes on the road, and you're like, I will come home with you. You know what? Why not? I have the time. And <laughs> please don't serial kill me. But I, <laughs> yes, I'm going to. I'd love to see your lampshade made out of human skin. But Let's most do of this. the time, you just hang in your hotel and do your shows. Yeah. Uh, Chicago's always one though. I really like Chicago. Did you have to do the uh, Great Lakes Naval Base there? Did you? When you no. Okay. Never went there. That's like a big Navy uh, outpost no. up there. What's uh? What are your favorite cities to perform in? Oh God! Well, like Vegas? all those you named are yeah. all really good. I would go back anytime. San Francisco, I love San Francisco as well. I you love know, it. yeah, yeah, San Francisco. Minneapolis is surprisingly cool town. I had a great time in Minneapolis. Minneapolis is fun. Yes, actually, it was. And the crowds amazing. I thought were really smart and yep. funny and yep. and just yep. really cool. Winters are horrible, but um, horrible. 
What was the one in Canada? Did you do Calgary? I never mall? performed up there. They have a giant mall. It's like the biggest, or Edmonton's got the biggest mall, I think. It was Edmonton I did. Yeah. And it was amazing. Like ice rink in yep. it. Okay. <laughs> I remember the, right next to the Tim Hortons, always. Yeah. yeah. There's always a Tim Hortons. Uh, that place was, ama- Edmonton was amazing. Really? Uh, I've never been. It was really fun. I had a great time. And Vancouver's beautiful. Vancouver's beautiful. When you look back and all that, uh, what did the travel teach you? How did it change you as a person? And how did it change your perspective on life and things? I think it changed every everybody's perspective on life to travel because I, you know, you see that. I mean, we talked about it a little earlier, but you see that people are just trying to live their lives, and we get caught up in so this national pride and country. But at the end of the day, it's just people trying. Got news for you: nobody's going to live forever. Everyone on Earth right now is going to die, and at the end of the day, you're like, how do I just get through this as painless as possible? <laughs> and so I think I, you start to really open up to people instead of getting in a shell. Like I think that you and I, because we've traveled so much. We can meet friends. Like people – my wife is always so jealous because wherever we go, I just go, hey, how's it going today? And before soon, we're kind of hanging with that person and that person's kind of showing me the ropes of their local place where other people who don't travel I think will get caught up in their own little uh, myopic world where they're just looking at the thing. Instead of opening their eyes and meeting the locals like you and I would, I think other people won't. They'll just go see the touristy places where we would go off the grid. I want to get away from the touristy places and see – how people live in those areas. Right. Well, that's awesome, man. So where can people uh, see you and hear your radio show and everything else? Uh, the radio show's on Sirius, but really, I think nowadays all you have to do is Google people. Jamie <laughs> Kaler, right? And my Twitter feed will come up. It's at Jamie Kaler. My Facebook, uh, I'm on Sirius XM every Tuesday, 6 p.m. East Coast time. The show is called Kaler. I have a show on the American Heroes channel called America Facts versus Fiction. It's it's an American Heroes channel. It's yeah, they changed it from Military Channel to American Heroes channel. Oh wow, they I wanted had no to be idea. Inclusive of the police force and the firemen oh. and teachers and stuff and, and comedians they, and comedians. I mean, truly, American <laughs> heroes. heroes. We are the true yeah. heroes. I mean, Dave really Cook do. is a true American hero. <laughs> that's maybe not the right choice, but and that's a what the second season. Season two is coming out right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what do you? What is the premise of the show? Uh, it's basically MythBusters meets history. So you think Paul Revere was the one who helped save the revolution and told everyone the British was coming. We're going to tell you it's not him. It was actually Prescott and Dawes. And we kind of take what we think we know about American history and we kind of show you the real facts of how things went down, which again is to me, I'm so amazed when I learn about people in those eras because I look back on history and go, how hard would it have been just to get through life in like the 1750s yeah. where you're like – Every day is not about Facebook. It's like, hey, I need to get food for tomorrow. And if this crop doesn't come in, we're not going to make it through the winter. Like that kind of stuff I love. You were lucky to live to 40. Yeah. And people died of the flu and things, you know. Which is crazy because now Africa's like that. The average age is like 40-something, right? Yeah. So you're lucky. It's pretty crazy. We wake up, we were were dealt a good hand. We're definitely lucky that we we grew up here. Well, Jamie Kaler, man, I appreciate you coming. I appreciate, I appreciate you, you making the drive. And, yes, um, finally. Great to see you. Finally. Yes. Finally. And you'll come do my radio show again. I would love to. It was a, it was a blast. Jamie Kaler, everybody. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Yes, you can put your mind at ease. Come on, enjoy your fellow man. Come on, people.